This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We're off to the land of science fiction, as our first program to be featured is from the radio series Dimension X. Now, the golden age of radio was a period in American history that spawned some of the most creative minds and prolific writers. In fact, this old-time radio show paved the way for some of the more popular sci-fi writers today to mark their place in the literary scene. Most notable among them, new authors like Ray Bradbury and the brilliant Isaac Asimov. Dimension X featured stories that were literally out of this world, as the central theme to each episode would be man encountering some alien race or man discovering uncharted territories in outer space. Tonight's episode, entitled Universe. Good health to all from Rexall. Yes, it's Sunday. Time for the Phil Harris Alice Fay Show. Presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products and your Rexall family druggists. Good health to all from Rexall. And now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Gail Gordon, Walter Scharf and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Like most housewives, Alice is concerned about the high cost of living. It's been bothering her for some time, and this morning she's decided to broach the subject to Phil. Phil, can I talk to you a minute? It's about the household bills, and I Honey, take... please. I have no time for things like bills. I'm a musician. <laughs> an artist, honey, an artist. My mind is filled with nothing but music. Now, if you'll excuse me, I want to listen to this record. What's the name of it? The Warsaw Concerto by Shostakovich. You're going to listen to that? Certainly, and if I like the tune, I'm going to sing it on the program next week. That ought to be different. Now, look, Phil, I've got to talk to you about these bills. We're spending too much, and it's all your fault. You're too extravagant. Look at this pile of bills from Saks Fifth Avenue, John Fredericks, Hattie Carnegie. Whoops, I <laughs> picked up my pile by mistake. <laughs> And I'm extravagant. Well, you are. Look at these bills. Custom-made suits, hand-painted ties, imported shoes, suede shirts... All right, suede... all right. Watch your blood pressure. Take it easy now. Picking on me. How about this bill? 
$8 for manicures, $15 for finger waves, and $20 for facials, massages, cold creams, and lotions. Are you going to find fault with this one? No, no. Those items are necessities. Well, I'm glad you feel that way. Being in the public eye, I need all them things. (laughs) Besides, I'm not the only one that's extravagant. Look at these household bills. Look at this one from the grocer. Why do we need all these imported cheeses and fancy canned stuff? You won't eat anything else. Well, how about this butcher bill? Why do we have to have steaks, chops, and prime ribs all the time? That's all you'll eat. (laughs) Oh. Well, how about this $40 milk bill, and let's see you tie that one on to me. Bill, there's no point in arguing. William suggested we cut down on meat. As our business manager, he feels we can save money there. In fact, he's out right now doing the shopping for us. Oh, well, he's doing the shopping. Uh (laughs) Fine. Ain't that ducking? I can just see him raising Mary Ned because the price of Dutch cleansers gone up a halfpenny. (laughs) Look, Alice, I'll tell you one thing. You'd better come home with steaks because Frankie and the boys in the band are coming over for dinner tomorrow night and they'll be expecting those nice, juicy steaks I always serve. Oh, boy, I can't wait. Good morning, Philip. Well, if it ain't Bargain Boy Faye, the scourge of Safeway. How did you make out, William? I got everything you need for tomorrow night, and I... Oh, it was quite a load to carry. I'm all tuckered out. (laughs) Well, give Grandma your basket, Little Red Riding Hood. Come on, Willie, open the sacks. Let me see those steaks you got for tomorrow night. My mouth is watering for some of those good... Oh, Philip, I didn't get steaks. I got something much more delicious. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. Something better than steaks, huh? What are we having? Creamed codfish balls. Creamed cod... Willie, please, don't say things like that. You know I'm a musician and I just got up. I'm in a weakened condition. Creamed cod... Philip... The cuts of steak you like cost a dollar fifty cents a pound, much too expensive. Now, the menu I, I prepared for tomorrow night is excellent. Cream codfish balls are wonderful. They're inexpensive, nutritious, and positively delicious. Thank you, Prudence Penny. <laughs> get lost, Elroy. What are you trying to do? Poison my friends with you arranging the dinner? How can it possibly be a success? It will be a success, Philip. It will. I guarantee that after a few cocktails, there. I don't care what cocktails. <laughs> Brother William, you may return to the fold. <laughs> all is forgiven. Well, hey, are you sure you got enough to drink for all of us? Definitely, Philip. I got two whole gallons of sauerkraut juice. Is it cold? <laughs> sauerkraut juice? Yes. Isn't it an ideal combination? Oh, Daph, Daph. <laughs> Yes, indeedy. I can't wait to dunk a codfish ball into a puddle of sauerkraut. Really, Philip, I don't know why you're making all this fuss. Alice, do you see anything wrong with a combination of sauerkraut juice and cream uh, codfish? Please, please, Willie. I feel a little faint myself. 
Thanks for your help, brother, but I'll take over from here. Very well, Alice. I'll just carry it into the kitchen for you. Uh, shall I leave it on the table, or shall I put it in the refrigerator? Just throw it on the floor. <laughs> Maybe the cat will get at it. <laughs> Willie. Frankie and the guys are coming over for steak, and now... Come in! Frankie, I don't mind. He's like one of the family. He don't come over just for what he gets to eat. Oh, hello, Frankie. What time do we eat, Curly? <laughs> Frankie, the dinner isn't until tomorrow night. Oh. Well, in that case, I better take off this napkin. <laughs> I could have sworn that you said tonight was the dinner. All right, all right, come on in. You can have dinner with us tonight, too. That's real nice of you, Curly. Frankie, look, I'm glad you came over. Something's got me awful upset. And, well, you're the only one I can talk to. Seems like... You're the only friend I got who will listen to me. Yeah, what time did you say we're going to eat? <laughs> I didn't say. I told you that it's still three hours until dinner. You're a little over-anxious, aren't you? Of course not. I didn't come over here just to eat. Then put away the knife and fork. <laughs> Look, Remley. I got some bad news for you. Yeah? We're not having steak tomorrow night. I hope you don't mind, kid. No, that's okay, Curly. I ain't particular. I'll eat anything. If I can't have steak, I'll eat something else. What are we going to have? Cream codfish balls. <laughs> Frankie, come back here! <laughs> now, come on inside. All right, but if you ever say a thing like that to me again, I'll punch you right in the nose. Close that door and come on in. <laughs> you ought to know very well it ain't my fault. Willie says that we're spending too much money on meat, and he's going to arrange the menu. Willie, that's square. Suppose that means we're not going to have any drinks before dinner. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, sir, we're going to have cocktails. Good. What kind? Well, we're going to have... Excuse me. What are you doing? i got to bolt the door before I lay this one on <laughs> Frankie, we're going to have sauerkraut juice before the codfish balls. <laughs> sauerkraut juice and codfish. <laughs> Curly? What? I hate you. <laughs> I want steak. Stop thinking of yourself all the time. Alice says steak costs her a dollar and a half a pound, and we can't afford it all the time. There you are. That's the trouble with women. They don't know how to shop. Why should she pay a buck and a half? Curly, why don't you do the shopping? You can buy in quantity like a guy I know. He bought a whole steer, and he got it for 30 cents a pound. He had it cut up and packaged, and he brought 30 it. 30 cents a pound. That's all. Yeah. Thirty cents. That's all. Hey, I could show Alice. With a whole steer, I could have steak every day. And... Sure. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, what does a steer weigh? Pretty big, Curly. They weigh about a hundred pounds. <laughs> about a hundred, huh? Cost you about thirty bucks for the whole thing. If you want one, I know a guy who's got a ranch and I can get it for you. You can? Uh -huh. Hey, look, Frankie, I'm going to buy one. Look, I can't leave now. You go over and buy it for me. Get the best meat he's got. Have it cut up into steaks and charge it to me. Okay, Curly. I'll take care of everything. Good. Now, you buy the meat and let me know as soon as you consummate the deal. Okay. <laughs> consummate? 
Pussy, expect me to get soup meat? <laughs> Gee, I wonder why Frankie hasn't called you. He's been gone two hours. Oh, man, I can't wait to get that meat in the refrigerator. Just think, a hundred pounds of nice, thick, juicy steaks, all cut up and neatly packaged. And... Hey, I bet that's Frankie now. Oh, I can't wait to sink my teeth into those ever-loving fillets. Hiya, Curly. Hiya, Frankie. Well, did you buy my meat? Yeah, I got it with me. Already? Well. Well, don't just stand there. Bring it in. Okay. Come on, bossy. <laughs> Frankie, what have you got there? Your meat. Beautiful hunk of bovine, ain't it? But I didn't want it that way. I wanted it all wrapped up so I could put it in the refrigerator. Okay, get a piece of paper and we'll wrap them up. <laughs> Frankie, I thought we were going to have it butchered and all cut up. Oh, this guy's just a rancher. He doesn't butcher it. Uh, Curly, it cost a little more than I expected. Instead of 30, it cost 40 cents a pound. 30, 40, 30. <laughs> all right. I don't mind that. Certainly it's all right. 40 cents a pound for 100 pounds Curling. is only... Curling. <laughs> what? Weighs a little more, too. <laughs> How much? 1,100 pounds. <laughs> Eleven, huh? Remley, why do you do these things to me? I never done nothing to you. I never kicked your grandmother. I never did nothing to you. What are you getting excited there? about? What oh, are you getting excited about? Instead of thirty bucks, it's costing you a measly four hundred and forty dollars. <laughs> Besides that, you got enough meat here for two years. Still cheaper than a dollar and a half a pound. Oh, I guess you're right. But what am I going to do with this animated Bull Durham sign? <laughs> Eat it. Eat it. Eat it. Fine. Yeah, eat it. It's fine. So? I can just see him walking around the dining room table and everybody takes a bite as he goes. <laughs> eat it. Please, Curly, let's not be ubiquitous. <laughs> Naturally, we slaughter the animal first. Let's take him in the kitchen and get started. Frankie, we can't bring that thing in the kitchen. Well, why not? Alice is a little eccentric. She don't like to have strange stairs running around the house. <laughs> Antisocial, huh? <laughs> it's none of my business, Curly, but at times your wife is inclined to be difficult. What's the matter with her, anyway? Well, you know how women are. She's just... Oh, shut up! You go! <laughs> Why, if Alice ever saw what I bought, she'd think that I'm completely Bill. up. Bill, who rang the bell before? Hey, it's Alice. Quick, Frankie. Now, leave that steer on the porch and come on in and shut the door. Hurry okay. up. Okay. Now, not a word to Alice. She mustn't know that you've Bill. got... Bill, Bill, did someone come... Oh, hello, Frankie. Hi, Alice. Say, you look very well. <laughs> well, the same to you. No! <laughs> Frankie, I, 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 who, who's that stomping out on our porch, Bill? Who? Oh, that's, uh, oh, oh, honey, 
It's my lady harpist. Well, what is she wearing, army shoes? What is she doing out on the porch? Who brought her over? Your wife's a nosy little blonde, ain't she? Quiet, will you? Keep quiet a minute. Alice, listen to me. Now, the lady harpist came over to rehearse, and, um, well, she, she didn't want to disturb us, so she's practicing outside. Well, I must admit she's playing it much better this week. <laughs> Bill Harris, I'm going to see who's out on that porch myself. Alice, I wouldn't go out there for... I'm going to see... Oh, oh for heaven's sake. Oh, Something Phil. wrong, Alice? Oh, Phil, Phil Harris, what is that horrible monster you've got out there? Oh. Huh? Oh, honey, oh, it's... Oh, it's just a steer. What? I bought it to save money on meat. Look, now this way it only costs 40 cents a pound and we'll have enough meat for two years. Yeah, come on, Curly. Let's take it in the kitchen, cut it up into steaks and put it in the refrigerator. No, no. Now, wait a minute. Don't you take that thing into my kitchen. If you want it slaughtered, take it over to the butcher. Okay, we'll take it over to the market. Come on, Curly. All right. Hey. What? Hey, Remley. How are we going to get him over there? Same way I brought him over to your house. Hey, taxi. <laughs> Frankie, you brought the steer over here in a taxi? I had to. The streetcar was too crowded. Cut that out! Which reminds me, Curly. You owe me $28.75 for taxi fare. All right, all right. You'll get it. It's only a half a mile to the market. We'll walk it over. All right. Come on, bossy. See you later, Alice. So long, fellas. Gee, I'm a lucky girl. It isn't every husband who brings his wife a live steer. Oh. East is east and west is west and the wrong one I have chose. Let's go where I'll keep on wearing those frills and flowers and buttons and bows and rings and things and buttons and bows. Don't bury me in this prairie, take me where the semen grows. Let's move down to some big town where they love a gal by the cut of her clothes and I'll stand out in buttons and We'll love you in buckskin or skirts that you've homespun. Oh, but I'll love you longer, stronger, where your friends don't tote a gun. My bones denounce the buckboard bounce and the cactus hurts my toes. Let's buy moose where gals keep using those silks and satins and linen that shows. And I'm all yours in buttons and bows. Cause the city's where I feel at home And not the lone prairie My bones denounce the buckboard bounce And the cactus hurts my toes Let's vamoose where gals keep using Those silks and satins and linen that shows And I'm all yours in buttons and bows In eastern trends Where women are women in high silk hose And peekaboo clothes and French perfume That rocks the room And I'm all yours Buttons and bows. Hey, 
Hey, Remley, we're blocking traffic. Can't you get this rump roast to move a little faster? Maybe if you got off and pushed it, it'd help. Hey, Curly, look, we're at the market already. Already, he says, already. Hmm? It's taken us two hours to go a half a mile. Now, let's get off and take him over to meat market. I hope nobody sees us with this Hi, thing. Mr. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hello, Julius. Hi, kid. Good to see you, Mr. Remley. You too, Mrs. Remley. What are you, wise guy? Mrs. Remley? It's possible. you two. Break it up. Let's break it up. Hey, kid, where's the butcher that owns this meat market? He's at the market across the street buying lamb chops for his wife. He buys his meat across the street? Yeah, he can't afford to buy it here. What do you want with him? I want him to slaughter the stare. So, you're leaving Rexall and going on the beat meat, meat business, huh? Smart move, Mr. Harris. You'll make an excellent butcher. Wait a minute. I ain't leaving Rexall and I ain't going in the neat business either. <laughs> I knew all the time he wasn't that old. Meat business. <laughs> I'm not going in no meat business. I wouldn't know how to butcher anything. I heard your program last Sunday and I begged to differ with you. <laughs> Downtown. How are we going to get him downtown? I'll wrench his night delivery truck. All it'll cost you is 20 bucks. 20 bucks? Hey, Remley, this thing is adding up. Well, we got to have the truck. Here's your 20, kid. Hey, he's actually got the dough. <laughs> you must have got your allowance from Miss Faye. Yeah, I can't get no allowance from Miss Faye. And don't worry, there's plenty more where that came from. So long, kid. Uh, wait a minute. There's something stamped on this money. There is? What does it say? This $20 bill was stolen from the place of Alice Faye. Stop it! Hey, Remley, let's get out that packing house. We don't slaughter cattle for individuals as a rule, Mr. Harris, but I guess we can accommodate you this time. Oh, gee. Thanks, mister. I'll take the steer. Gee. Kind of... Kind of hate to see him go. I've... become sort of attached to him. Stop slobbering. (laughs) Go on, bossy. Go with the man. Go on. Oh, go on, will you? This ain't no attitude to take. The man ain't gonna hurt you. Oh, Frankie, how can you lie to the animal like that? <laughs> Let me talk to him. Bossy. I know, I know, I know, I know how you feel. <laughs> but, but that's life. Horns up, old boy. 
you've, 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 you've just got to face these things and, and, and be brave. Mr. Harris, are you related to this steer? Of course I'm not related. It just, just breaks my heart to have you, to have you slaughter him and cut him up. Would you rather take him to a mortician and have him laid out? For crying out loud, let the man take him. Come on, boy. You gentlemen wait here. I'll have him ready for you soon. Well, Mr. Harris, your steer has been slaughtered and cleaned. That will be $55, please. $55? But I... Oh, well, I guess it's worth it. I still have 1,100 pounds of prime beef. Not exactly. <laughs> you realize in slaughtering, there's a little waste. Oh, sure, of course. Certainly. <laughs> I expected that. Uh, what does it weigh now? 600 pounds. <laughs> Six? But it weighed 1,100. What happened to the rest of it? Well, in cleaning, there's a shrinkage. What did you use? A cheap, dry cleaning fluid? <laughs> This thing is now costing me 80 cents a pound. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's still less than a buck and a half, Curly. We'll take our meat, mister. Like this? Don't you want it dressed? No, we'll eat it nude. <laughs> but you can't eat it like this. You have to have it dressed. All right. Oh, that's okay, mister. That's all right. Now, we'll... How much does that cost? Wait! Whisper it to me. Lay it on me lightly. <laughs> Well, it shouldn't be too much. We can have it dressed for you for uh, $85. A Who's going to dress it, Adrian? <laughs> we'll take it to the Star Outfitting Company. They do a cheaper job. Quiet. <laughs> leave the man alone. Look, mister, go ahead and dress it and cut it. Anything just so I get my steaks and chops. Steaks and chops? Don't you want any other cut of the Milk, thing? mister, please, don't argue with me. I don't feel too good. Will you just get me my steaks and chops? That's what you want? Very well. Well, Mr. Harris, your steaks and chops are all cut and packaged for well, you. Thank goodness. Come on, Frankie, let's get the 600 pounds on the truck before we... Right. Um, hmm? um, mister... Uh, we do have 600 pounds, don't we? Not exactly. <laughs> uh, how much? 100 pounds. You only wanted steaks and chops, you know. But only 100 pounds. I told you steer weight only 100 pounds. I told will you keep... <laughs> Look, mister, let's forget the whole thing. Glue my steer together and I'll take him home, will you? <laughs> Brimley, you got me into all this. Buy a steer, save money, 30 cents a pound, enough for two years. Look, I never want to see you again. Mister, give me my meat. I'll take it. Like this? Oh! Oh, I know I'm a sucker for asking, but what now? Well, for this much meat, you'll have to have it quick frozen. You'll need a locker. And for only $120 a year, we can let you have one of our best lockers. A locker yet? Look, I just want to eat this steer. I don't want him to join a country club. <laughs> I know he's a pedigreed steer, but do we, does he have to be a social butterfly? But, Mr. Harris... All right, all right. I'm too weak to argue. I'm trying to save money, and now these steaks are costing me over $7.50 a pound. Remley, this is all your fault. My fault? 
I can't help it if you pay black market prices for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know something? If I wasn't sick, I'd punch you right in the nose. It's guys like I, you that cause inflation. Me. You At brought a time the like this, it's up there. You brought a fear in my house. Keep you keep you all over. I need you meat like I need a whole day. What are you trying to tell me? I'm so sick. Now, now, take it easy, honey. He'll be all right, won't he, Doctor? Yes, he just suffered a shock to his nervous system, resulting in a slight case of high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. All he needs is rest, fresh air, and lots of nourishment. Nourishment? Well, cost me a fortune, but at least it wasn't wasted. I got a hundred pounds of meat to help build me up. Uh, Mr. Harris, one other thing. Yes. No meat for six months. station for the Edgar Bergen Charlie McCarthy show which follows immediately. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Stay tuned for Phil Harris and Alice Faye when they'll take you back to 1948 for another laugh-filled show. Time now for Phil Harris and Alice Faye. Adventures in time and space. Transcribed in future tense. Dimension In the beginning, there was Jordan, thinking his lonely thoughts. Out of the loneliness came a longing. Out of the longing came a vision. Out of the dream came a planning. And out of the planning came decision. Jordan's hand was lifted, and the ship was born. You, look out! Are you all right? Yes, they missed me. What was it? A mutant with a slingshot, I think, it dashed down that passageway. You want to go after it? We never catch it, Alan. It's probably 12 decks above us by now. I didn't think they ever came down this far. Patrols usually get them before they reach this level. Uh, they get more daring with each generation. This one looked like a female. Male or female, it might have killed us. I told you this trip was pure foolishness. Climbing 24 deck levels to hear a crazy old man rave? We're almost there now. Compartment X-15, level 24. This is the place. This area smells as if it hadn't been visited by a sanitation crew for generations. This part of the ship is almost deserted. Yes? This is the compartment of John the Witness. Who are you? My name is Hugh Hoyland. I'm a cadet from the scientist barracks. This is my friend, Alan Mahoney. What do you want of John the Witness? Only to talk. Are you a believer in Jordan? Naturally. I have heard that there are those among the younger scientists who doubt the word of Jordan. To doubt is death. We're not heretics. <sighs> Enter. I have brought a gift of tobacco. Grown on the richest level. It smells good. I assure you it's the best. Wait here. 
Schweinsnisch. What the devil do you think he can tell you? I don't know. Now hush. Well? You are John the Witness? I am. Good eating to you. I am Hugh Hoyland. This is my friend, Alan Mahoney. So what brings a gentleman of the scientist class to my humble apartment? I have heard that you and your parents before you have long been keepers of the legend of the ship. Since Jordan gave the word. I am anxious to hear the word as Jordan spoke it. Why? You see, among the young scientists, there have been some who talk against the word. The regulations against such heresy? Some of them say the ship has no purpose. They say, they say that we're here accidentally. That, that we have no more grace in Jordan's eyes than the most deformed mutant who dwells in the highest level of the ship. What shall I say to you? I wish to hear the word from the mouth of one who knows that I may become more convinced. Sir, you have gift for the witness? The finest tobacco. Good. I will dim the light. Now, pay close attention... For these are the words as my father's father's father gave them to his son's son's son. This is how the ship came into being. How our people were created. In the beginning, there was only Jordan thinking his lonely thoughts. In the beginning, there was darkness formless and dead. Out of the loneliness came a longing. Out of the longing came a vision. Out of the dream came a planning. And out of the planning came decision. Jordan's hand was lifted and the ship was born. Mile after mile of good compartments Tank after tank for golden corn, ladder and passage, door and locker, fit for the needs of the yet unborn. He looked on his work and found it pleasing, meat for a race that was yet to be. He thought of man, and man came into being. Then Jordan checked his thought and searched for a key. Man untamed would shame his maker. Man unruled would spoil the plan. So Jordan made the regulations. Some to speak and some to listen. Order came to the ranks of men. Crew he created to work at their stations. Scientists to guide the plan. Over them all he created captain made him judge of the race of man. Thus it was in the golden age. These are the true words? As my father's father taught them. But what of the strange beast-like people on the upper levels of the ship? Surely Jordan did not create them. Jordan is perfect. All below him lack perfection. You have heard of the legend of Huff? I have heard that he mutinied against Jordan. Darkness swallowed the ways of virtue. Sin prevailed upon the ship. And before wisdom prevailed and the bodies of Huff and his followers were fed into the converter, 
Some of the rebels escaped and lived to father the mutants. They are tainted with the sins of their fathers. One more question, witness. Speak. What is the ship? The ship is a great sphere. Twenty-five kilometers wide and one hundred levels deep. I know that, but what about the upper levels? The regulations forbid us to venture into the upper levels, but it is said that beyond the levels of the mutants lies the forbidden place where Jordan's spirit prevails. So I've heard. But something troubles me. Something which prompted my coming here. Yes, my son. What lies beyond the ship? What? What lies beyond the ship? This is heresy. Answer me. I will not permit such talk. The ship is complete. The ship is universal. The ship is everywhere. The ship is everywhere. Ah, your mutterings are those of a frightened old man. They answer nothing. You question the word? I think you lie. Hear me, Mr. Highland. For what you have already said, I can have your body fed to the converter. Your soul launched on the endless trip. You threaten me. You, for Jordan's sake. You think I fear this dried fig of a man? You. Sir, my friend is impetuous. He doesn't understand. I might be persuaded to forget a substantial gift. You pig. You. Come on, Alan. The sight of this so-called holy man offends me. No, you shall not leave. Uh, don't try to frighten me with a gun, old man. Remain where you are, heretic. I warn you, put down the gun. No. No closer. Drop it. Very well, then. Death to the heretic. Alan, get him. Is he dead? I don't know. Come on, Hugh. We've got to get out of here. Now, where? We can't go back. They'd feed us into the converter. What's that? The old woman must have turned in an alarm. Come on, the patrol will be here in no time. Where can we go? The upper levels. But the mutant. We'll have to take our chance. Listen, that's the patrol we've got to climb. There's a hatchway. Down the corridor. Quickly. Hold we fly off the ladder. You wait. How far are we from the outside wall? Judging by the slope of the deck, about two miles. Mutant territory. Come on, we'll try this passageway. as if we're being watched. It's your imagination. Perhaps not. It's only a ship's rat. Get a grip on yourself. This is big as a dog. Come on. I can't drag myself much further. We've got to find a compartment with water. Oh, if only you hadn't asked him that stupid question. There's no use going over that. Why did you do it? Why? Alan, I've been thinking about it for a long time. And when he began to give me those stupid pat answers... Well, I just saw red, I guess. But who are you to question the ways of Jordan? When you asked me to go with you to visit the witness, I thought you wanted spiritual help. I never dreamed I'm sorry, that you... Alan. I couldn't foresee this. I didn't know what... Wait. Wait a minute. Now what? Another ship rat? No. I thought I saw something move near that bulkhead. I didn't see anything. Maybe my eyes are going bad still.
am I? <laughs> what are you? Get away from me. Alan! Alan! Look out for that knife. Stay away from me. Alan! Alan! Don't kill him, Bobo. Not yet. <gasps> Who are you? Forgive my friend Bobo. Like so many of my people, he's rather impetuous where members of the so-called super race are concerned. Who are you? What place is this? As you can guess from my leg, I'm a mutant. Where is Alan? Your friend is dead. I was not able to restrain my people in time to save him. Why don't you destroy me and get it over with? We do not kill for pleasure, Mr. Hoyland, only when necessary. You know my name? I read your identification tag. Who are you? Mutants can't read? My name is Gregory. I'm a leader of my people. Although we are unfortunate in our heredity, Mr. Hoyland, many of us are quite intelligent. Why do you live like animals? We would rather live like free animals than like regimented slaves, as you do. I've heard that you practice cannibalism. Undoubtedly, you hear many things about us. We raise our own cattle on the upper levels, and those of our people who choose to farm raise enough crops for our small population. You turn your head. Why? This one. I've never seen a creature like him. Bobo is an unfortunate. He was born without the power of speech. How can you tolerate a monstrosity? We have learned to live difference. If we began to destroy our imperfects as you do on the lower levels, there would soon be no one left. It violates the regulations. The word of Jordan You states... know, Mr. Hoyland, your people are really primitive and barbaric. You dare say that to me? I dare say a good deal more. Let us go to my compartment and speak further. I'm always interested in information of the lower levels. I won't give you any information. Oh, Bob. I want Mr. Hoyland in my cabin, please. Hey. Hey. I would advise you to go quietly, Mr. Hoyland. Bobo has a hatred of superior beings, which is unfortunate, but quite understandable. Proceed. Enter, Mr. Hoyland. This is where you live? Yes. But you have books. Stolen from your libraries, Mr. Hoyland. Compton's Astrophysics. The Philosophy of Interstellar Navigation. Celestial Mechanics. You have read these? Um, most of them. Why did you bring me here? What do you intend to do? Do you believe in Jordan, Mr. Hoyland? There is no other belief. And the trip? I suppose you believe in the trip, too. Well, what else is there to believe? When you die, your remains are fed to the converter, and your soul makes the trip. And where does the trip take you? Why, to Centaurus, of course. Huh? Well, what is Centaurus? Why, Centaurus, mind you, I'm just telling you the orthodox answer. Centaurus is where you arrive when you've made the trip. A place where everything is happy and everybody's happy and there's always good eating. It's mythological, of course. And you believe this? The peasants believe it, literally. But many of the younger scientists like myself know that it's figurative, symbolic. Why do you ask? 
Didn't it ever occur to you, Mr. Horland, that the trip is exactly what your peasants believe it is? That the ship and all the crew were actually going someplace? Moving? The ship can't go anywhere. It already is everywhere. Imagine a place bigger than the ship, much bigger, with the ship inside it, moving inside. But there can't be any place bigger than the ship. There wouldn't be any place for it to be. Oh, for half's sake. Listen, you know the lowest level? Yes. If you started digging a hole in the lowest level, where would that hole go? Where would that hole? Oh, no. No, it's forbidden to think such a thought. Where would it go? No. No, I can't think about it. Bobo! Bobo, we're going to take Mr. Horland to the place. Where are we going? To the top level. But it's certain death. Nonsense. I've been there a thousand times. Come along. No, I won't. You can't make me. I think we can. Now, shall we proceed peacefully, or shall I have Bobo persuade you? <laughs> Inside. What place is this? This, Mr. Hoyland, is the main control room. Why, Mr. Hoyland, you're trembling. It isn't true. There is no such place except in mythology. Oh, you younger men are so wise, Mr. Hoyland, except for one thing. This happens to be the main control room of the ship. But it, it, it's nothing but a huge room with an instrument panel. What did you expect? How do you know this is the main control room? See these instruments? Using them, the navigator many hundreds of years ago actually steered the ship on its voyage. I don't understand. I didn't suppose you would. Your people have been so steeped in superstition and ignorance that the whole concept has lost its meaning. Sit in that chair. Don't be frightened. Sit down. Very well. Look up. What do you see? Nothing but a huge shield. Watch it for one moment, Mr. Hoyland. You are going to see something that few of us have ever been privileged to witness. Something so dazzling that you may find it hard to accept at first. But it is there. It is a reality. And ultimately, you must accept it. What are you doing? I'm dimming the lights. Don't be frightened. Keep your eyes focused on the shield above us. Ready? Watch. The shield! It's sliding back! Gustav Jordan! Well? What am I seeing? The universe, Mr. Harlan. The universe in all its beauty. The stars, the planets, the suns, the moons, and the constellations. This is your heritage, Mr. Hoyland. The heritage you've been too stupid to see. But it can't be. The ship is the universe. There is nothing but the ship. Ah, but there it is. You see it before your eyes, spread out like a canopy of glory. Do you still deny it? 
Answer me, Mr. Hoyland. Do you deny it? No. No, I can't. They lied. They lied to us. Good. Why did you close the shield? You will see it again if you're not afraid. I'm not afraid. Many times. I have shown this to others of your people whom we captured, and though they saw it before their very eyes, they would not believe it. Tell me about it. Tell me about the ship, about the universe. What are these things? How did this come about? Many thousands of years ago, on a planet like those you've just seen, a planet called Earth, a scientist named Jordan decided to build a ship that would carry men from one planet to another. For many years, Jordan and thousands of others studied and planned. And when they were finished, they built the ship. A ship so large that it had to be assembled in its own orbit beyond a place called the moon. Sixty years it took them to construct. And when it was finished, a whole new science had been conceived. Then the trip was begun. The trip that was to land a colony of Earthmen on a far-off planet called Centaurus. Millions of light years beyond the furthest planet ever reached before. How do you know these things? Among my books are the log which Jordan himself kept. And the records of the journey for the first 40 years. What happened? There was a mutiny. A man named Huff led a rebellion of those who wanted to turn back. In the struggle, the navigators were killed. And the crew fell into a state of anarchy. In the years to follow, small groups of men tried to organize the ship for navigation, and each time they failed. Finally, the whole idea was abandoned. And so for centuries, we have swung in space, unmanned, undirected, living in a lost world of our own making, without purpose, without direction. Why have you told me this? Why have you brought me here? You could have killed me. Can you guess? No. No, I can't. Unless... But it would be too fantastic. Well, you want to finish the trip. Yes, that's it. What would it take to do it? A miracle, almost. The crew would have to be trained. Many people, each skilled in a certain duty. Couldn't you train your own people? We are too few. Besides, the main drivers in the lower levels where my people are forbidden to go. No. It would mean that both our peoples would have to work together. Our differences encouraged rather than denied. It can be done. You showed me. You can show others. I can show them. Can you? I'll see the captain himself. I have an uncle on the central board. I'll tell him what I've seen here. And do you think he'll believe you? Send one of your people with me. That's asking a good deal. I'm risking a good deal by going back. Very well. Bobo will go with you. He can't talk. There will be no need for talk. I will write a message guaranteeing safe conduct for a group of unarmed scientists to visit the main control room. Bobo will take you safely through our territory. What happens when you reach your own level is up to you. One moment. Yes, what do you... You... Quick, Uncle Edison. But this mutant... He's harmless, please. 
Now, what is this? You're wanted I know for... all about that. Listen, Uncle, I must see the captain. The captain? Are you mad? You're a council member. You can get me to see him. They'll kill you. You're wanted for heresy. I don't care. I must speak with the captain. You're close to him. You can arrange it. I don't understand why... Uncle, listen to me. The ship is moving. I can prove it. Do you understand there is a purpose in the ship? I don't understand what you're babbling Never about. Never mind. Just talk to the captain. Tell him I have information of tremendous importance. Tell him I've arranged a truce with the mutants. A truce? Here, show him this paper signed by their leader. Do it, Uncle, for my sake. I don't know. Please, I... Uncle. If I'm to die, let this be my last request to you. Very well. I'll speak to the captain. I'll try. And you say, Mr. Oyland, that you saw this with your own eyes. I swear it, Captain. I swear it on the word of Jordan. Let me see that paper again. Hmm. What do you think, Commander Est? I don't know, sir. It might be a trick. I guarantee you safe conduct. If these things are as Mr. Hoyland reports them, it would pay to risk a few lives. The man is a convicted heretic. Still, we mustn't discount his word entirely. He has a safe conduct. A mutant risked its life coming with him. I think we might investigate. You will do it. I'll have an expedition outfitted. Dismiss, Mr. Hoyland. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Captain, do you... Commander Erst. Sir. You'll make the necessary arrangements for an expedition. I trust you understand. Perfectly, sir. Perfectly. Lieutenant. Mr. Hoyler. You'd better halt your men here. This is the spot. Patrol, halt. I see no welcoming party of mutants. There will be none. Their leader will meet you inside the main control room. You don't say. And just where is this main control room? Beyond that door. I see. All right, men. Ready arms. Why do you ready arms? In case of ambush. Ambush? Don't you think they could have ambushed you on the way up here a good deal more easily? You know, Mr. Hoyland, I think you're a mutie lover. They have a place in the converter for that kind. Lieutenant, are you mad? No, Mr. Hoyland. But most certainly you are think that we could be lured up here to be slaughtered with a fantastic story about some mythical control room. Guns ready, sir. Lieutenant, I warn you, these people have acted in good faith. If you break Call that... Call your mutants no. to open the control room, Mr. Harlan. No, not until those guns are dismounted. As leader of this expedition, I order you to call them. I refuse. You cannot do this thing. This is no way to keep a truce. Very well, if you refuse. Oh, there! Mutant! Come out! For Jordan's sake, Lieutenant! It's required for comfort. Mutant, open the door. Please, Jordan, don't let anything happen. Please don't. It's opening. Ready, man. Someone's coming out. Look at his leg. Horrible. Steady. I can't stand this. Look out. Gregory. No. You fools, you've killed him. Here come the rest of them. Fire. should teach them a lesson they won't forget. All right, men. Inside the room. Orlin, you're under arrest as a conspirator in this ambush. Ambush? You 
fool, you blind, stupid fool. That'll be enough. Have you been inside this place before? Yes. What's all this machinery? These are the controls he would have used to steer the ship. He's gone out of his mind, Lieutenant. Steer the ship? Who? The leader. The one you killed. This ugly mutant? This ugly mutant happened to be a man of true greatness. You're mad. Am I? This man had a vision which could have saved you, but you chose to kill him because you couldn't stand the sight of his difference from you. I'll not listen to these ravings. Close your ears. Shut your minds against the conscience that tells you it's wrong to kill. That tells you that your need to be arrogant only proves your inadequacy to yourself. Shut him up. Don't listen to him, man. You can't shut your ears. My words sting you. You cannot shut your minds. And you cannot shut your eyes. Shut him. Don't do this. The roof. It's moving back. Look, let the vision of this confound your ignorance and blind your eyes. This is the heritage you tried to stifle in your own breasts. This is the heritage of stars and open skies for which men have yearned for centuries. Try to destroy this, and you will only destroy yourselves. Death. To the heretic. Kill me if you choose. But I say to you that this you cannot keep from our people. That they will seek it out and the ship will be manned and the ship will be steered and there will be freedom and purpose and respect for ourselves. This is your heritage. Look! Upon the universe! Kill him! Kill him! You have just heard another adventure into the unknown world of the future. The world of... Dimension... This has been the concluding broadcast in the current series of Dimension X. If you are interested in the continuation of this series, please write and tell us so. Your ideas and suggestions will be given the most thoughtful consideration in determining the future of this program. Just drop a letter or postcard to Dimension X, care of NBC, Radio City, New York. Today, Dimension X has transcribed... Universe, written for radio by George Lefferts and based on a story by Robert Heinlein. Featured in the cast were Mason Adams as Hugh and Peter Capel as Gregory. Your host was Norman Rose. Music by Bert Berman. Engineer, Bill Chambers. Sound created by Manny Siegel, Max Russell, and Wes Conan. Dimension X is produced by William Welch and directed by Edward King. Ed Archie Gardner tangles with Tallulah Bankhead on The Big Show. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for Ziggy and Stardust next on Zoomer Radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.